It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Drops the throw, steps up, floats a bomb up the right seam, looking for Anderson. He's got it. They're not going to catch him. He's going to go the distance. Touchdown. Sam Darnold dials it up to Robbie Anderson. 92 yards. Bell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. Pass thrown, there was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studios, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And we are talking NFL drafts. So as you know, we're having on a bunch of people to talk about what's going to happen with the draft, who's going to go where, which prospects are the ones to keep your eye on for the Jets. And so reached out to somebody who's one of the best in the game. He's a staff editor at The Athletic covering college football. He's been covering college football for a really long time and doing a great job at it, Mr. Mike Hugan. And Mike, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, appreciate you having me on. Looking forward to it. So let's delve right into it. I want to start with offensive line, and we'll begin with the four big offensive tackle prospects. We know who they are, Tristan Wirfs of Iowa, Andrew Thomas of Georgia, Makai Becton of Louisville, and Jedrick Wills of Alabama. Talk to me a little bit about what you think of these four. I, I think the one with the highest upside is Wirfs, just because of his athleticism. I think, I think he's the most athletic of that quartet. Um, you look at Becton, extremely intriguing prospect. The man is massive. Um, he's also a relative newcomer to the scene. Um, Louisville was not all that good, obviously, for, for most of his career. Um, Satterfield gets there, turns him into a, a, a team that's well-coached. Becton pops, not just because of his size. He, he can be a masher in the run game, and for a man of his girth, is pretty good pass protector as well. Um, Andrew Thomas, on the other hand, was a huge recruit, five-star guy, um, started from day one at Georgia. Uh, I'll be honest, I've watched a lot of Georgia football because I live in the southeast. He strikes me as a guy who's, this guy's pretty good. Um, I'm not sure he can be an elite tackle. Um, Wills is a guy who played right tackle at Alabama. Um, I'm always about leery about right tackles just because if you're a right tackle on your college team, um, generally that means you're not as good as a left tackle. Now, obviously, with Alabama, a little bit different, too, was a lefty. Um, but Wills, I, I think, is another guy who can be a solid pro. Um, but I like Worfs the best um, just because I think he has a higher ceiling. Um, may have the lowest floor as well, so that, that's a little bit scary. Saw some pretty good defensive ends in the Big Ten. But the but, and, and thing is, another thing with three teams we're talking about here, Alabama, Iowa, Georgia, um, those three teams are extremely well coached with their offensive line. Beckton's had two offensive line coaches. Um, he, he did play better under the last one. But, you know, Iowa is sort of an offensive line factory. And I think Kirk Ferentz is, prides himself on being both physical and agile up front. Uh, and, and Worfs fits that. And again, I like Worfs the best of that quartet. Do you think that those four 
are worth the 11th pick if any of them were to fall to number 11? I'd pick worse than a half second. Um, Becton's upside, I think, is, is intriguing as well. Um, those two are the only ones I would take at 11. I would, again, I'm, I'm not a huge Andrew Thomas fan. I think he can be a journeyman kind of pro. Um, and, you know, journeyman pro can last eight or nine years and start for seven of them, and that's fine. I just don't think he has all pro potential. I think Worfs does. I think Beckton might. Uh, I don't think Wills does, and I don't think Thomas does. I think they can be serviceable starters, but if you're picking 11th, you don't want a serviceable starter. You want a star, and I think Worfs can be a star, and I think Beckton potentially could be a star, but I think he's still got some work to do. What do you think of some of the lower-rung tackles or guys on the second tier, Josh Jones, Austin Jackson, guys like that? Josh Jones, you know, it's it's interesting. He, oh, it's almost like a lot of the folks that cover the NFL, wow, this guy goes to Houston. Wow, that's pretty cool. But, you know, if you, if, you, if you follow college football, you knew about Josh Jones. Houston, I, I think he can be a serviceable guy. Um, I'm not – as sold on him, even as Andrew Thomas. So um, Jones to me is distinctly a second round pick. And I'm sorry, the other the other name was Austin Jackson the, from the USC. Other guy you, oh yeah, you, 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 the one thing you like about the USC, okay, they, they've underachieved relative to their talent level. I think that's coaching. Um, but Austin Jackson blocked for a team that threw the ball a heck of a lot. Um, they didn't run the ball all that effectively. I'm not sure that's a failing of the linemen, the running backs, or the coaching style. But Austin Jackson, to me, because he played in an offense that threw the ball, because he's seeing pretty good defensive ends on a weekly basis in the Pac-12, Pac-12 I think is underrated with some of its edge rushers. Edge rushers. I, I think Austin Jackson – I would take Austin Jackson before I pick Josh Jones. Um, Jackson was a pretty big recruit as well, um, been in the spotlight for a while. Um, and I think he's done a pretty good job being in that spotlight. Again, I think he has an intriguing upside as well. Um, if there's a second-tier tackle group, I would have Austin Jackson ahead of Josh Jones. Mike, what about wide receiver? Everybody talks about the big three, the two guys from Alabama, Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy, as well as CeeDee Lamb from Oklahoma. What do you think of them, and would you consider I, them oh, at number 11 if they were on the board? Yeah, I love, I love CeeDee Lamb especially. Um, huge big play guy. And here's a guy who worked with Kyler Murray, um, t- caught passes from Baker Mayfield for a season, and then caught passes from Jalen Hurts. Um, the drop-off to me in Oklahoma's passing game from Murray to Hurts was exceedingly noticeable. Um, that was a team that, 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 to me, with Mayfield and Murray – they scared you if you were an opposing defense when they dropped back to pass. Last year, I think you wanted Jalen Hurts to throw because Jalen Hurts was an extremely effective runner, especially when he had Kennedy Brooks in the backfield with him. Um, I think Judy has not come close. I'm sorry, I think Lamb has not come close to reaching his ceiling. I think he's better than Hollywood Brown, frankly, by a heck of a lot. Jerry Judy, to me, is a guy who, um, like a lot of Alabama receivers, has been exceedingly well coached. Um, you sort of wonder how much better he can get. Um, he's a lean dude, runs well, played high school football in South Florida, which is the best high school football around. So he's seen high-level competition now six years in a row. 
Um, I don't think any corner you put opposite him is going to worry Jerry Judy. Um, Ruggs just blisteringly fast. Um, I don't think he's as polished as Judy, and I don't think he has the upside of Lamb. Um, I like of those three. I like Lamb best, Judy, and then Ruggs. I think Ruggs um, needs more work, and I'm not sure Henry Ruggs can ever be a true number one receiver in the NFL. He can be a very effective number two guy, I think. Whereas I think Judy and certainly Lamb can be a go-to receiver, 85, 90 catch guy. So it sounds like if you were at number 11, you would consider Werfs or Becton, but otherwise you would go with Lamb or Judy if those two guys are off the board. Is that pretty much on target? Yeah, I, I think if yeah, I think if I'm a Jets fan, okay, Sam Darnold's my quarterback. The idea of Darnold throwing to CeeDee Lamb, I would be rubbing my hands together with glee. The idea of Darnold throwing to Jerry Judy, I'd be like nodding my head going, yeah, I can see this happening. That's good. You know, but, you know, worse or Becton protecting, starting a left tackle, protecting Darnold's uh, backside would be pretty cool as well. But I think, I'll be honest, of those, if we're talking just those four guys, I think I would take C.D. Lamb first, uh, worse second, Judy third, and Becton fourth. Uh, I really, really think C.D. Lamb can be a NFL superstar kind of receiver. I think he's got that kind of upside. And, again, you look at what he did last year. You know, Jalen Hurts is a great guy, um, deserves all the plaudits thrown his way for his character and how he handled things. I just don't think he's a very good passer. And I think Oklahoma's pass offense last year, as effective as Lamb was in that passing attack, he would have been an 80-catch guy if Kyler Murray were still the quarterback. So um, I think Lamb's best football is – easily, easily ahead of him, Um, whereas I think Judy, the plateau, is closer because, again, Alabama gets all it can out of its players. Um, And and worse to me, the the athleticism is super intriguing. And Becton, um, again, I like Becton, but I like in in those four, uh, I like Lamb first and worse second. Mike, let's dive a little deeper on the offensive line, the wide receivers. This is known to be a particularly deep wide receiver class. Who are some guys that you like on the offensive line and at wide receiver that could go somewhere in that second to fourth round range because the Jets have several picks there, and it's going to be very important that they hit on those. One guy I think who's distinctly a second-tier wide receiver but has interesting potential is Van Jefferson from Florida. His dad is Sean Jefferson, played in the NFL for a long time, an NFL assistant. Van Jefferson, not a burner. But he's got pretty good speed, got really good hands, and runs incredibly precise routes. Um, Florida had a really good receiving core last year, um, and Jefferson was the best one. He, he stayed off four years of college, which is a rarity these days, played at a really good high school in Nashville, Brentwood Academy, was well coached there, came to, went to Ole Miss, knowing a lot about the nuances of the passing game. And I think last year at Florida he showed that he is – a extremely well-rounded receiver. Um, again, he's not going to be a number one guy, but he can be a solid number number two or three receiver, especially if you're playing three receiver sets. Physical, um, knows how to use his body to wall off defenders. Um, I think Van Jefferson can end up being a really, really intriguing NFL receiver. And I think, part, again, he's been exceedingly well coached for a long time because of his dad. 
um, understands route trees, which, you know, not all college guys do. Um, but I think Jefferson is a very interesting um, potential wide receiver for the NFL. In terms of um, tackles, uh, guards, or the kid from Connecticut, Matt Perk, is intriguing. Low floor, but high ceiling um, because of his background. Um, I think that, you know, Auburn had some interesting offensive linemen. They had five starting seniors, and, and the guy who played left tackle for them was Prince Tego Winogo. Um, who's an interesting kid, plus he's a pretty good player. I think if you're looking for a run-blocking offensive lineman, um, Prince is your guy because Auburn's offense is run-oriented under Gus Malzahn. They threw the, they threw the ball last year not very well um, because Bo Nix wasn't developed enough as a passer. But if you're looking for an offensive – if you're looking for a right tackle – I know Prince Tego Winogo played left tackle of Auburn, but to me he'd be a pretty intriguing right tackle in the pros because of his run-blocking ability. Um, if you're looking for a center, uh, Lloyd Cushenberry of LSU, um, you know, one of the – you know, LSU, I guess, could have 10 guys going the first two or three rounds. Um, obviously, Joe Burrow's going number one. I, I don't think there's any doubt of that. But Cushenberry was a guy who was a – a starter for a couple years. Um, and the one thing about LSU linemen in the past, he wondered a little bit about their run blocking ability because when Les Miles was the coach, their passing game was a joke, frankly. But I think last year, um, Cushenberry had to do some different things, became much more of a, a much better pass, pass protector, um, and still had, gets a really good push as a run blocker. But um, he's a guy who I think you could get second, third round, maybe early third, but certainly in the second round, and, and be a guy who starts at center for, for a while for you. Um, solid dude, supposedly. Uh, never heard many bad things about him at all. Um, teammates liked him. Um, and, again, I think he's a guy who, you know, line calls aren't going to bother him, good run blocker, and an improving pass protector. Mike, it's interesting you brought up Van Jefferson because obviously he'd see a familiar face here with the Jets. The man that you talked about who's guided him for most of his life, his father, Sean, is the wide receiver coach. So that would certainly be an interesting move if the Jets were to make it. I think a lot of Jets fans would like it. You know, I, I, I admit, I, I thought um, Sean was still the Titans wide receiver coach. So um, that, that would be interesting. And you wonder in some respects if, that would make the Jets leery of taking Van Jefferson because his dad's there. Um, but Van Jefferson, to me, again, I think he's going to be a, a very a, a good pro. Again, not a stud, not a star receiver, but a pretty good one. Another one, I live in Orlando, um, so I have to put up with the UCF hype. Um, but they have a really good receiver as well, Gabriel Davis, 6'3 kid. Um, I actually saw him play in high school um, because he went to high school in this area. Um, big dude who can fly and he's a guy who I think is underrated nationally. Um, but he is, he was a guy, even in high school, he, he always had a bigger body. Um, obviously become, has become more refined as a pass catcher in his time at UCF, but breakaway speed, um, can be a deep threat for you, but also physical enough to, hey, third and eight, we're going to Gabe Davis on the sideline. Be ready. So he's he's a pretty well-rounded guy. I don't think his ceiling 
is as high as Van Jefferson's, but he, he is faster. Um, he's an interesting guy too. And I think he's a guy you could get in the third round. And there's also the kid from Liberty, Antonio Gandy golden, who's six, five and runs pretty well. Um, that's another guy who I think developmentally, he's probably uh, definitely behind Van Jefferson and, and Davis, but he's a guy who I think can end up being a pretty good NFL receiver starting maybe his second NFL season, third NFL season, but the intriguing size with him, um, makes him makes him I think a guy who has a lot of potential and has a pretty good ceiling um yeah again he's six five can run um was the leading receiver at Liberty which threw, threw the ball pretty much last year with you free so Antonio Gandy Golden's a pretty interesting guy as well while sports can bring us so much joy it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate relax and get decent sleep Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hoopin' with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hoopin' with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. The Jets need offensive linemen. They need wide receivers. They also need edge rushers, among other things. So let's talk edge rusher for a second. The big one is Chase Young. Jets have no chance at getting him. But after that, there's some interesting guys. Caleb on Chase on is somebody who's been talked about as possibly being picked number 11 if the Jets can't get an offensive tackle. There are other guys that they might be able to get between rounds two and four. What do you think of this edge rusher class? Anybody you like? Yeah, obviously, I think Chase Young is going to be a star. Um, I think the only question with him is, okay, if you go to the Redskins, that, that's not a good franchise. So I think, you know, it's like if you're Joe Burrow going to the Bengals. It's like Baker Mayfield going to the Browns. You wonder about 
the franchise that picks the player. You don't worry about the player because the player's good as long as the franchise doesn't mess him up. Um, and that's what I think potentially could happen uh, with Chase Young. But, you know, Chase Young, man, again, I, I'm, I live in the Southeast. I am not a huge Caleb on Chase Young fan. Um, injured uh, for, for all of 2018. Um, he flashed at times in 2019. But he was not a guy that when I watched an LSU game, I went in thinking, wow, I'm going to spend all my time watching Chasing because he's going to make a ton of great plays. Uh, I think he's overrated. And I think he's a guy who you look at his physical tools um, and his potential, and you're going to overdraft him. I think a lot of edge rushers are overdrafted these days. Um, I think Chason is, is going to be gonna be overdrafted. Um, Epinesa from Iowa. Um, did not have a good combine. Um, and I'll, I was a little bit surprised, but, um, he is a relentless pass rusher. Um, I, I like him. I think he could be a late first round edge rusher, um, who can develop into a pretty solid NFL guy. I think he, I would take Epinesa all day over Taylor Von Jason. And for maybe a third round edge guy, um, I'm going to go back to Florida. Florida had two last year, Jabari Zuniga and Jonathan Grenard. Grenard began his career at Louisville um, and was okay. He was sort of a guy there. Missed all 2018, transferred to Florida as a grad transfer, and was, frankly, magnificent. Um, relentless dude. Um, moved into the defense seamlessly, which is difficult to do, but then you realize, well, he was playing for Todd Grantham, who was his defensive coordinator at Louisville before he went to Florida. But Grenard last year was, you know, I know Henderson, CJ Henderson's going in the first round. Grenard was Florida's best defensive player. Um, missed, I think it was, he missed at least one game. I think it was two with, with an ankle injury that didn't never really 100% yield. But he was, again, magnificent at times. Zuniga, uh, over his career, he's in the top 10 at Florida in tackles for a loss. Um, he missed most of last season with a high ankle sprain. Um, but when he's healthy, he can do some really good things. Neither of these guys, um, really looks the part, you know, you look at Chase Young, you're like, Oh my God, this guy looks like a stud defensive end. You look at Grenard and especially Zuniga and you're like, wow, those guys, they look like football players, but maybe not edge rushers. But, um, Grenard, I think can be, he can, he, to me, Donnie Grenard is a, is a three down NFL guy. You put him somewhere, he, he does a pretty good job setting the edge and can get to the passer. Zuniga is more me of a, of a spot pass rusher, but he's extremely quick around the edge. But I think both those guys will be available late second, certainly in the, certainly in the third round. And I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be worried about picking either one of those guys. I think Grenard can be a really, really good NFL player, especially. You brought up C.J. Henderson, so let's talk a little bit about the position that he plays, and that's cornerback. Much like Chase Young, there's another Ohio State defender that I don't expect the Jets to have any chance to get, and that's Jeff Okuda, who many have said is one of the best cornerback prospects in many years. I'd agree with that. I think Okuda is going to be an absolutely outstanding corner, but I think he's going to be a corner for another team. C.J. Henderson, on the other hand, could potentially be available at number 11. There's been some hints that the Jets might consider him. And then there are other players like Gladney that you can look at in later rounds. 
What do you think of Henderson and the possibility of taking him at 11? And who are some of the guys you like from this cornerback class for the mid-rounds? I think 11 for Henderson is too high. Um, watched a lot of Florida games the last couple of years. I, I'm, I'm an alum. Um, family goes to games every week. C.J. Henderson's a kid from Miami who, who I heard a lot about in the recruiting process. Um, he's faster than you think. Um, got pretty good ball skills. Not necessarily a big play guy, and I think that's the issue. Um, his hands are a little bit iffy, I think. Um, but again, he's got the requisite size, pretty darn fast. To me, he's a late teens guy. Uh, I think if he were to go with 11, that, that's a reach. Um, and it appears he probably is going to be the second corner off the board, but you mentioned Akuda, who, yeah, you look at Akuda and you're like, man, that guy, he's like the prototype corner. Mm-hmm. And then you look at it, oh, yeah, all his measurables are there. Um, did not always flash at Ohio State, but I think part of that was Big Ten quarterbacks. Or he ain't throwing to his side. We'll throw to Sean Wade's side. So I, I think Akuda is going to be an NFL star. I think Henderson potentially on, in the right kind of defense can be an NFL star. Um, Trayvon Diggs looks like he'll be a first-rounder. Not a huge fan. I think he's a little bit overrated. He's a really good athlete, but I think he's one of those Alabama guys who has already maxed out. What, what you see right now with Trayvon Diggs, it's what you're going to get three years from now with Trayvon Diggs. I think he's okay. Uh, certainly, I, I don't see him ever being a star. And I know A.J. Carroll from, from Clemson is seen as a first-rounder. Um, runs pretty well. Um, good size. Uh, comes from a winning background, which I don't think you can overlook. I mean, he's used to winning, and I think you would like those kind of guys in your locker room. Um, Carroll... I don't think he's good to see uh, C.J. Henderson, but I think I can see him going late first round, which which makes sense. Um, Christian Fulton of LSU wasn't the best LSU corner last year. That would have been Stingley, even though Stingley was a freshman. Um, Fulton, though, because he did not want to throw at Stingley's side, threw a lot of Fulton, and he held up pretty well. Um, He's an interesting guy. Gladney, I didn't really see all that much. you figure any guy who played for Gary Patterson is, is well-schooled in technique because Gary Patterson is that kind of coach. Um, Jalen Johnson of, of Utah is on a lot of lists. Big guy. Uh, and another team another team that plays really solid defense, and you figure Jalen Johnson's been well-schooled as well. One guy I like a, a lot as a, as a safety is Antoine Winfield from Minnesota. Obviously, his dad played in the NFL as a corner for a while. Minnesota last year was really surprisingly good. Winfield was a ball hawk for that secondary. Um, so if you, I think if you're looking for like a second or third round safety, you can get Antoine Winfield. Um, do it because I think he's the kind of guy who um, has good coverage skills for a safety, covers a lot of ground. Um, and, and because I think maybe it's in the genes, but you, you watch Antoine Winfield play and you're like, this dude understands what he's supposed to be doing. Um, one guy who I think is overrated is Cameron Dantzler from Mississippi State. Uh, I just don't think he's that good. Um, and if, if if I'm a Jets fan and, and another AFC East team picks him, I'd be like, good, we're throwing a Cameron Dantzler for the next two weeks. 
<laughs> Let's talk a little running back because you just mentioned Antoine Winfield's son. And by the way, Antoine Winfield's name still stings around here, at least for me, because he was supposed to be a Jet back in 2004. And then at the last second, he changed his mind and ended up going to the Minnesota Vikings. And funny enough, last year, the same exact thing happened with Anthony Barr, where he was supposed to come and then change his mind and ended up going back to the Vikings. But there is a lineage there with Antoine Winfield Jr., the same way that there is with Anthony McFarlane Jr. Everybody knows his father from his time with the Bucks, and now as a really bad commentator on Monday Night Football. So let's talk about this running back group, because I really like McFarland. I think he's a guy that if the Jets can get him on day three, he'd be a perfect fit for what they need, which is speed on the outside to complement. Le'Veon Bell who are some guys that you think could go in the mid rounds here at running back because I don't see the Jets using a high pick on a running back they're not going to get Jonathan Taylor or J.K. Dobbins or anybody like that but there are some running backs that might be able to help them in the mid to late rounds I think yeah I mean, to me third third round now is sort of a mid-round guy Cam Akers of Florida State I'm exceedingly high on Cam Akers um, Florida State frankly was abysmal the last three seasons um, Akers, though, showed up, did his job, played well. Um, running behind, it's, it's hard to fathom how bad Florida State's offensive line has been the past two seasons. Um, to, it, 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 it was a garbage unit, and that's frankly being nice. They could not block. Um, and Akers took the ball and really never complained. He's got really good hands. Um, really good receiver, um, has breakaway speed, and interesting for he was a quarterback in high school in Mississippi. Um, recruiters are running back by everybody. Strickler played running back in, in college. Extremely tough runner up the middle, and that's not always the case with guys who have breakaway speed. Um, Akers obviously, I think, prefers running off tackle. But I'll be honest, at FSU, they had trouble doing that because the line could not sustain blocks for basically more than a half second. So if you're trying to get wide, there was no reason to because the opposing defense was in the backfield. So Akers ran a lot between the tackles, was effective doing so. Um, physical guy, and again, he's a really, really good receiver. Um, he's a guy who um, could be a 50-catch guy. I think he's that good as a receiver. So um, third or fourth round, um, I can see Cam Akers being there. Um, I, I would snap him up in a second. I'm a huge Cam Akers fan. Again, it's if, if you want to watch a running back get engulfed, frankly, on every single run of his career, watch Cam Akers because the FSU offensive line was abysmal. Um, and Akers didn't complain. Um, good locker room guy, um, tough-minded, and a tough runner. Um, and again, the receiving ability is really striking to me so cam Akers to me is going to be a, a, a he was a good college player on a bad team i think he'd be a pretty good running back for a while in the nfl especially because of the receiving ability are there any sleepers that you like that people might not be talking about at any position even quarterback because we know the jets aren't going to be picking a quarterback early but it's possible that maybe on day three they look for a guy that they think they could develop into a good backup behind Sam Darnold. So really, any of the positions, even the ones that the Jets may not necessarily need, any players that aren't really getting enough talk that you really like that you think could be valuable assets in the middle or the end of the draft? Yeah, a guy who intrigues me for a late round, Joe Reed, Virginia wide receiver. Um, incredibly good return man. Um, 
caught almost 80 passes last year for Virginia, didn't even average 10 yards a catch. Um, that to me, you know, maybe people are like, wait a second here, but here's a guy who has great speed and didn't even average 10 yards a catch. That's the Virginia offense. Um, it was geared toward Bryce Perkins, who is an intri- I would I would be willing to take Bryce Perkins as a seventh round quarterback because he's got some skills and the guy's a phenomenal athlete, really tough kid too. But Joe Reed's a guy who, in the right offense, um, could play any receiver spot you want. I think you could even use him in the slot if you need to. Um, again, he's got breakaway speed, but Virginia used him a lot on short routes, um, wide receiver screens you know, five-yard slants. But I, I think Joe Reed gives you extra value because of the returnability. Um, and it, he's he's a high-use guy uh, at Virginia um, who can be a, I think, intriguing right, third or fourth receiver in the NFL who also can be an interesting return man. But And, again, I, I like Bryce Perkins as a quarterback, too. He's never going to be an NFL starter, um, I, I don't think. Then again, you look at some of the guys who have been trying it out as starters the last couple of years in the NFL, and you're like, my God, anybody can start a game in quarterback in the NFL these days. But Bryce Perkins, to me, would be a guy who was would be worth a seventh-round pick at quarterback because um, of his physical tools. He's got a nice arm, um, tough runner, and he's got some quickness to him, too. The right offense, he could be an effective backup. Mike, last question. Let's say you're Joe Douglas. You're the general manager of the New York Jets. And you're approaching this draft knowing that you need corners, you know that you need offensive linemen, wide receivers, edge rushers, and really you could use depth at almost any position, but those are your major needs. You've got the 11th pick, and you're picking 48th in the second round, you got a couple picks in the third, got a pick in the fourth, and the standard day three picks as well. What would your approach be to this draft, and especially at number 11, what would you be looking to do? I think if if I'm picking 11th, um, I would go in hoping I'm going to get CeeDee Lamb. Because, I, again, I think he can be a star NFL receiver, be a number one receiver, especially for a guy like Sam Darnold, who I think can be a pretty good NFL quarterback. You give him more weapons. Um, so my I would go in thinking, okay, I can get a wide receiver in the first round. I can get another wide receiver. This is a deep receiver draft, as you pointed out, fourth or fifth round. I'm going to get two guys who can help me as rookies. One will be a starter. And I think CLM can be an immediate star. Um, I think I can get an edge rusher uh, in the second round. I think the one thing that this always does, I spent two years at NFL.com talking with a lot of guys about, and and while I was there, I talked with a lot of guys about trying to come up with draft strategy. And obviously everybody does it different. I think the one concern I would have, though, if I drafted C.D. Lamb at 11, and there's a big-time offensive lineman there, um, I'm not going to get a big, big-time big offensive lineman in the second round. Um, while, while I think C.D. Lamb is going to be awesome, I think there would be in the back of my mind, if I'm the Jets, if I'm going in with the idea I'm taking a receiver at 11, um, I'm, I know that I'm not going to get a superstar tackle if I pick C.D. Lamb at 11. Um, whereas if I pick and tackle at 11, I can get two serviceable receivers at the least second, fourth, second, fifth round. But I still think I would take Lamb first and, and look for a guy, uh, a tackle in the second round like Josh Jackson and Josh Jones. So I'm not uh, the Jackson kid from SC, Josh Jones from Houston. 
hope they're on the second round, but I still think I would take Lamb first. Chris Nimbley, who covers the Jets for JetsInsider.com, has been yelling and screaming for either Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb for months. So I think he's going to put together a plan to kidnap Joe Douglas and put you in his seat so you can make the decision and bring CeeDee Lamb home to the New York Jets. And I think there are a lot of Jets fans who probably feel the same way. There's been a bit of a division in terms of whether they should go offensive line or go receiver, but certainly... Regardless of what camp you fall into, I don't think anybody would be upset with CeeDee Lamb because, as you said, Mike, what a dynamic player he could be for Sam Darnold yes. and the New York Jets. Exactly. And I think if, you know, I get the idea about you want to protect your quarterback, but think about, frankly, every good quarterback in the league. He's got one guy he can count on to throw the ball to um, and who he knows can make a play, and I think CeeDee Lamb's going to be that guy. And, again, look at what CeeDee Lamb – did last year with Jalen Hurts, who was not close to being an elite passer. And I think Sam Darnold, he's not an elite passer yet. Yeah, I think he has the potential to get there. Uh, man, if I was a Jets fan and they drafted CeeDee Lamb, I'm thinking I'm going to have a heck of a lot of fun for the next few years watching Sam Darnold throw 85 passes a year to CeeDee Lamb and watching CeeDee Lamb break three or four 70-plus yard pass plays every single season. Considering what we've been watching the last few years, that sounds like a pretty good scenario. Mike Huguenin of The Athletic. He's a staff editor there covering college football. Thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. For those that are unfamiliar with your work and don't know where to find you, where can they get a hold of you and where can they check out what you're up to? Yeah, we're at theathletic.com backslash CFB. Uh, I'm one of the staff editors there. There's six of us. Um, we cover 38 college teams. We also have a bunch of national writers, Bruce Feldman, Andy Staples, Stuart Mandel. Um, and even during these trying times, um, we're cranking out a boatload uh, of college football content. Um, you know, the, every coach is talking about stuff. Every AD is talking about stuff. Um, and there's a lot of, obviously, a lot of downtime now. Um, so we're doing some off, more offbeat stories as well. Um, but the, yeah, the athletic, not just because I worked there. If you're a sports fan, um, even in these times, you can literally spend your entire work day or eight hours at home reading sports stuff. And that's, that's a great thing. Especially now, like you said, a great escape. So make sure that you check out Mike's work over at The Athletic and follow him on Twitter. If you haven't had a chance to give us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could do that for us, we'd really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't cost you any money, doesn't take you much time, but it goes a long way to help us out. So we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.